0: and Carrie. Nobody asked for it, Carrie. Nobody fucking asked for
1: it, <laughs> but hey, my podcast, and I'll say what I fucking want.
0: <laughs> Two people just winging it in life, and this podcast. So enjoy this week's episode of History of a Haunting.
1: Hi guys, and welcome to History of a Haunting. We are your hosts. I am Carrie.
0: And I am Archie. You know us. You know
1: us. We, The hosts never change. <laughs> Today, we are going to be going to San Diego and the infamous Whaley House. Uh, this place is really cool, and it was a place that Archie and I were hoping to um, have visited prior to recording this episode, but then I, as a genius, decided I wanted to move at the last minute. <laughs> Uh, so we had to cancel our trip to San Diego, and we moved me instead, which was just so much not fun. So
0: much not fun. Mhm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we are still planning on going to San Diego, um, and touring the Whaley House just later on in life, <laughs> and after this episode. Um, so San Diego Arch, I know that you know San Diego. It, it, we my family and I have a really strong affinity for San Diego because my mom actually grew up there. She lived there from, I think she was six months old, a year old, until she was 13.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Yeah, when my grandparents moved here to Phoenix. So she, long history with San Diego, and my uncles. My uncle lived there with his family for most of my life. Um, so I still have cousins that, that are there, so San Diego is a great town and one that... Um, we have a long history with and, and my family and I love very much. So, I am um, particularly excited to do this episode for that for that reason. And ironically, all the because Koi and I used to live in San Diego. Right, right. And for all the time that I've been there to visit my over my whole life, I have never been to the Whaley House. <laughs> of course. Of course, I mean you've heard of it, but I've never, I've never ever been. Uh, so yeah, that's. Um, have you heard of it?
0: I had not heard of it. You hadn't even heard of it? Mm-hmm.
1: I'm not surprised. I actually think that's a bingo square.
0: Oh.
1: He's looking at me like, of course it is. Fuck you. <laughs> 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 anyway, so yeah, guys, let's get into right. it. Let's uh, let's talk about the Whaley House. Archie's got some really great history for you, and I've got some wild hauntings. So, Archie, I'm going to sit back and let you tell me about the history of the Whaley All House. Right.
0: Well, according to OldTownSanDiegoGuide.com, Thomas Whaley came to California during the Gold Rush. He left New York City, the place of his birth, on January 1st, 1849, on the ship Sutton, and arrived 204 days later in San Francisco.
1: So he sailed around from New York down? Down past
0: the Horn, Uh, South America. Oh, God. Wow. Okay. around, yeah. He went the long way.
1: Probably would have been faster to just ride it horseback.
0: Maybe. He set up a store with business partner George Wardle where he sold his hardware and woodwork. That's a funny name. Sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. Oh, Wardle.
1: (laughs) See, it's funny. (laughs) It's funny to say. And and here.
0: But he, uh, he sold woodwork from his family's New York business, Whaley and Pie. They offered mining equipment and utensils on consignment. This young entrepreneur, born on October 4, 1823, came from a Scots-Irish family which immigrated to Plymouth, Massachusetts in 1722. Whaley's business acumen, acquired in part from his education at the Washington Institute, proved beneficial in San Francisco. He was so successful that he was able to establish his own store on Montgomery Street, erect a two-story residence near the bay, and rent out Wardle's edifice. After an arson set fire destroyed his buildings in May 1851, he relocated to Old Town, San Diego, upon the advice of Louis Franklin, a fellow merchant. Whaley set up various businesses and amassed enough money to return to New York to marry his sweetheart, Anna Luiz Delone, on May 14, 1853. Upon the couple's return to San Diego, Whaley entered various general store business partnerships, most of which lasted less than a year. He purchased a lot at the corner of San Diego Avenue and Harney Street in September 1855, and in May of the following year... Well, that was distracting. Sorry. In May of the following year, he built a single-story granary with bricks manufactured in his own brickyard nearby. I think I move that thing away from you.
1: You're very quiet, so I'm turning up your game. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, by, by extension, I need to turn down mine. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, guys. Sorry. We'll get it.
0: So he built a single-story granary with bricks manufactured in his own brickyard nearby. In September 1856, Whaley commenced construction of an adjacent two-story Greek Revival brick building which he had designed. Upon completion in 1857, the building was acclaimed as the finest new brick block in Southern California by the San Diego Herald and cost $10,000, an impressive sum in the 1850s. Oh. Previously, the land held a gallows and was famously known for the hanging of Yankee Jim Robinson, found guilty of grand larceny in 1852.
1: Did you ever find what he stole? Because I, I couldn't, I like I couldn't ever find anything. I don't know if it was like horses or whatever. I, don't I know.
0: think it was something like horses and Cattle I think he and two other men were accused of a murder. Oh. And so there was there there was there was more.
1: Oh okay okay.
0: But, but uh, by 1858, Thomas and Anna Whaley had produced three children: Francis Hinton, Thomas Jr., who died at 18 months old, mm-hmm. and Anna Amelia. In August 1858, once again, arson set fire destroyed Whaley's businesses. Good God. Rebuilding in a time of economic downturn was problematic, so Whaley moved his family back to San Francisco, where he worked as a U.S. Army commissary storekeeper for a short while. Three more children, George Hayes Ringgold, named for a business partner, Violet Eloise, and Mm. Corianne Lillian were born. Wow, okay. After a major earthquake in May 1868 on the Hayward Fault, the Whaley family returned to their home in San Diego. There, Whaley partnered with Philip Crosswaith to open the Whaley and Crosswaith General Store. San Diego pioneer Crosswaith was the deputy county clerk and later San Diego's chief of police.
1: That name sounds familiar.
0: It's, Crosswaith is probably a very recognized name in the city.
1: Well, it sounds familiar in this story. Hmm.
0: Well, let's see how this goes. Okay. In 1868, Thomas rented the upstairs, southwestern portion of the house to a Mr. Thomas Tanner, who transformed the living quarters into San Diego's first commercial theater. Just three months after the Tanner Tropes' October 1968 opening, Mr. Tanner died suddenly, and the trope disbanded. Later in 1869, the County of San Diego rented the theater space and the former granary for use as meeting rooms for the Board of Supervisors and one of San Diego's earliest courthouses. After the establishment of Newtown San Diego by Alonzo Horton in 1868, the seat of government moved there. Mm. Residents of Old Town resisted the change, even refusing to hand over the government records. On the evening of oh, March okay. 31st, 1871, County Clerk Chalmers Scott gathered a group of New Towners, rode out to the Whaley House in express wagons, and forcibly removed the records. Not just wagons, but express, express wagons. Express wagons. With really super fast horses. <laughs> <laughs> Although Whaley wrote a series of letters to the Board of Supervisors, noting that their lease had not expired and demanded rent and repairs to the building, his demands were ultimately ignored. Huh. Sounds about right. Right. On January 5th, 1882, sisters Violet and Anna Amelia had a double wedding. Anna Amelia marrying her first cousin, John T. Whaley, and Violet... Romantic. Romantic. She doesn't even have to change the name. That's so terrible. Violet wedded George T. Bernalacci. Violet's mended... Words are hard... Violet's. We mar- don't even have wine today. I know. <laughs> Violet's marriage ended sadly.
1: Violet's ended.
0: Wow. Yeah. It wasn't
1: as bad as braided midget, but <laughs> pretty good.
0: Um, she divorced Bertolacci in eighteen eighty three, after being monitored for but coming to depression, she took her own life on August eighteenth, eighteen eighty five. Later that year, the family moved to Newtown, where Thomas built a lovely single frame house for them at 933 State Street. Hmm. Hoping to capitalize on the San Diego boom, he opened a real estate office at 5th and G in the 1st National Bank Building with various partners, including Ephraim Morris. He retired in 1888 after a long career of entrepreneurial endeavors and passed away at the State Street Home on December 14, 1890, at the age of 67.
1: Oh, that's very young. I mean, not for that time, but that's still very young to have accomplished all that he did.
0: Oh, a very, very large amount of things. Mm -hmm. Um, The Whaley home in Old Town was rented out for many years and eventually fell into disrepair until late 1909 when Whaley's oldest son, Francis, returned to the old brick house and undertook the restoration of the building. Rehabilitated at the same time as the establishment of the Los Angeles and San Diego Beach Railway down San Diego Avenue, oh, which yeah. coincided with the great turn of the century tourist movement, Francis utilized the family home as a residence and a tourist attraction where he posted signs outside promoting its horisticity and entertained visitors. I'm sorry, it's wh- what? Guitar. Horisticity. <laughs>
1: Can you spell that for me?
0: H-I-S-T-O-R-I-C-I-T-Y. Am I saying it wrong? Spell it again? Historicity? 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 Fuck. I don't know. I'm usually good with big words. I probably got it the first time.
1: You probably did. (laughs) It just sounded, wow. It It sounds made up.
0: Historicity.
1: Historicity historicity historicity
0: it's not working it's not helping it isn't oh well
1: historical background
0: sounds good sounds good whatever (laughs) on february 24th 1913 anna died in the house followed by francis on november 19th 1914 lillian continued residency in her family home writing her memoirs and passed away in 1953 In 1956, the house was up for sale, and plans to demolish it to make way for a gas station were curtailed by June and Jim Reading, who, with a concerned group of citizens, convinced the county of San Diego to buy and restore the house. Thank God. The Whaley House opened its doors to the public as a historic house museum in May of 1960, and since November of two thousand, has been operated for the county by Save Our Heritage Organization.
1: Soho, yeah.
0: Soho is in the process of returning the house to its nineteenth-century
1: appearance. That's awesome. So that's uh, that's what I've got. That's that's a lot of rich history. That's a very good history. I need to know more about these express wagons, though. <laughs> How express? were they tiny little wagons so the horses could go faster like i don't understand i I don't either i need more information hang on i gotta adjust my situation here i like it arch what do you Uh, think
0: right yeah it was really good it was it was an interesting read
1: it really was um i can't believe they were gonna bulldoze
0: for a (laughs) gas station
1: oh god my uncle coy actually used to work for the Santa Fe Railroad Lines down there. Remember when we went to San Diego and we stopped We stopped by the Santa Fe Railroad Lines? Yeah. We just, yeah. He used to work for those railroads. Oh. Yeah. That brought all the tourism and stuff, so. Um, okay. Well, that, I love that. Now, let's see here. My portion is, I... I had a lot of fun doing this because I've heard about the hauntings at this place for a really long time. And I've got friends that live in San Diego that have been to the Whaley house a number of times and have never experienced anything. Oh. But I also have family that has been and actually captured shit on in pictures. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's just one of those, like, you just you just never know. You just never know. Um, so I got a lot of my stuff from Wikipedia. With the... House's official website, WhaleyHouse dot uh, org, the San Diego Union Tribune, and WeirdCalifornia.com, along with you know my favorite YouTube videos. <laughs> yeah, got real sucked into um, some YouTube videos last night, which is why I was finishing up my notes like before I walked out the door to come record. Oh my this god, Terry Hopper. Yeah. <laughs> so. The Travel Channel's Most Haunted show and Time Magazine have both designated the Whaley House as the most haunted home in the United States over the years. I
0: like how every place that we've done is the most haunted place in the nation Exactly. The yeah. Right, right. That's why I, I was
1: like, mm, that sounds kind of... Uh. That's why I added um, over the years, because it's,
0: you know... Most haunted awarded, 1992
1: to 1997. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, um, yeah, I agree. That's... That's basically why I said, you know, added in that over the years. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so now, significant events, such as pretty much all the ones that you covered, Arch, mm-hmm. um, specifically the suicide of Viol- Violet, I almost called her Violent Whaley. Jesus. Oh. <laughs> I regret everything. Violet Whaley in 1885 profoundly, of course, affected her parents, Thomas and Anna Whaley. Now, the Whaley house, um, org had this really amazing sentence that I wanted to start my um, portion with. They said that these events, as well as the hangings which occurred on the property before the house was constructed, have suffused the Whaley House with an air of mystery and added to its reputation as something more than just California State Historic Landmark number 65. hope. Oh. Yeah. So I was like, that's it. Intriguing. I like that sentence. Um, so there was another quote that I found that I really loved as well. Uh, this is by Hans Holzer. And I'm going to ex- talk a little bit about him in just a second. But he said, there are some human beings, and he, let me start over. He also investigated the Whaley House. And after he did, this is what he said. I should have started with that. Oh. Ah. He said, there are some human beings who are dimly aware of their own deaths Yet have chosen to stay on in what used to be their homes, to be close to surroundings they once held dear. I think that makes a lot of sense, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of the stories that we talk about, specifically, you know, the Stanley Hotel and F. O. Stanley is still there because he he loved that place and mm-hmm. so did his wife, and it makes a lot of sense. Um, so I thought that was a really good quote as well with regard to the Whaley House. Now, let's talk a little bit about Hans Holzer. Um, he was an Austrian-American author and parapsychologist. He did write over 120 books on the supernatural and occult type, um, subjects. Uh, he, for the popular market, he also wrote several plays and musicals and films and documentaries, and he hosted a television show, all geared toward the paranormal and the occult. Now, he, uh... In 1965, he visited San Diego to uh, investigate the stories of eerie and unexplainable sights and sounds in the Old town, old Town's historic Whaley House. Um, he, as a result of his investigations, he dubbed the two-story brick home-turned-museum as the most haunted house <laughs> in America. Um, now, he... Holzer, he died in two thousand and nine, but when he went there he he brought along a psychic medium named Sybil Leek, and um they checked into the reported sightings of ghosts and former former occupants, the disembodied voices, footsteps, and other strange sounds, and the dark and this dark presence that sort of was always felt and experienced, but they couldn't seem to identify this who this was who oh. yeah. So um want to talk a little bit about Hans Holzer because he does play a bit of a good, pivot, not pivotal role, but a, a bit of a good role in this uh, uh, location, okay. basically. So we're going to come back to him, but just remember Hans Holzer. Let's talk about Yankee Jim. So he is the earliest documented ghost at the Whaley House. Um He, like you said, was convicted of attempted grand larceny in San Diego in 1852, and he was hanged on a gallows off the back of a wagon on the site where the house now stands. Uh, The local newspaper reported that Yankee Jim apparently kept his feet in the wagon. So uh, he kept his feet in the wagon as long as possible, but was finally pulled off the wagon. Mm -hmm. because, You know. Um, However... Because of that, he swung back and forth like a pendulum, and until he was strangled to death. Mm, charming. Yeah. So typically, when you're you're executed by hanging, they drop you; your neck breaks. It's pretty quick. It's a fast death. This guy basically was str- strangled to was strangled, strangled to death. Strangled to death. Yeah. Basically, yeah. So Thomas Whaley had actually been a spectator at the execution, um, but he didn't let it dissuade him from buying the property a few years later and building a home for his family there. We're going to come back to that as well. (laughs) So according to the San Diego Union, um, soon after the couple and their children moved in, heavy footsteps were described were heard moving about the house. Uh, Whaley described them, rather, as sounding as though they were made by the boots of a large man. Um, And eventually, Thomas Whaley came to the conclusion that these unexplained footfalls were made by Yankee Jim Robinson. Hmm. Yeah. Another source states that Lillian Whaley, the the youngest daughter, she lived in the house until 1953. Mm -hmm. I think she was the last family member to live in the house before Mm -hmm. they... Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. Um, She had been convinced that the ghost of Yankee Jim haunted the house. Must not have been too terrifying, because she stayed there until she died. (laughs) Yeah, right? Yeah. (laughs) Um, now, a visitor to the museum in 1962 mentioned that the ghost had driven her family from their visit there more than 60 years earlier. Apparently, her family knew them and, and went to visit it. Um, oh. A ghost had driven her family from their visit there more than 60 years earlier, and her, and her mother was unnerved by the phantom walking noise and the strange way the windows unlatched and flew up. Wow. So kind of like when you were saying how freaky that was in the Lizzie Borden house. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, but unlatching and flying up, like... Wow. Right? My new house does that with the windows locked, and they unlatch and fly. We're out. (laughs) We're moving in with you, because that's the only place we have to go. So we're (laughs) going to move in with you if our house is haunted. Great. Cool. Yeah. A lot of fun. Three dogs and 900 cats. Hey. But... It'll be cozy. <laughs> so apparently the infamous criminal um, <clears throat> made eerie noises, again loud footsteps, left d- disembodied footprints, continually scaring Whaley family members throughout their lifetimes. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, on the one hand, you're, you're kind of like, he had a bad death. Mm. But on the other, he did it to himself. Yeah. Kind of a thing. But I don't know. Um, Now, there is an archway between the music room and the parlor that is supposed to have been the location of where the gallows were at. Some people have reported feeling a constriction in their throat when standing in this archway. Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Right. So let's talk um, about Thomas and Anna Whaley. They are often seen in the home as well. Um, The woman that you had mentioned, June Redding, reading Redding, She was the one that prevented it from becoming a gas station? Yes. Um, She was a former curator of the museum, and she said that at one time um, they had a little girl who was about five or six years old who waved to a man that she said was standing in the parlor. Uh, Nobody else could see this man, um, but she said that often children's sensitivity is greater than than an adult's. However, many adults have also reported seeing Mr. Whaley. He is generally seen on the upper on the second floor landing. Um, one has described him as clad in a frock coat and pantaloons
0: Pantaloons
1: which well, I don't know what a frock coat is, but pantaloons aren't those something that like women wear under their dress dresses? Those are bloomers are those bloomers? I think a, so pantalo- I don't know <laughs> anyway, so he's Cruising around. His, I mean, it's his house. He can wear whatever the fuck he yeah, wants. Exactly. Exactly. So he wants to walk around in women's underwear? Hey. <laughs> we're not judging. So he's been described as walking around in a frock coat and pantaloons uh, with the face uh, was, the, this woman saw, that his face was turned slightly away from her, so she really couldn't make out any facial features. And then suddenly the, the apparition faded away. Huh. Uh, like I said, his ghost is often seen particularly on the upper landing. Many have seen Thomas dressed in his frock, coat and top hat at the top of the stairs. Um, there was a, a person that said I saw a full apparition of a man I believe was Thomas Whaley, though he was in his 20s, so young. huh Yeah. When did he buy? When did he or did it say how old he was when he left for? Uh,
0: 1849
1: is when he left. Okay, so he had to have been young. I mean, he. I don't know. I suppose maybe he was in his twenties when he owned the built the property. Um, but this is a younger version of Thomas Whaley that this person saw again standing on the upstairs landing as they walked up the stairs one morning. He, the person says he looked at me as if he was curious as to who I was and why I was in his house. And then he disappeared. Um, he was all shades of gray. There was no color to him. Hmm. Which is interesting. Um, I've seen a few other fleeting figures that are great also, but none as distinct as Mr. Whaley. Yeah. Uh, On one occasion, they did witness the chandelier in the courtroom swinging back and forth for no apparent reason. And again, many occasions heard footsteps walking across the upstairs floor when no one is there. These sounds are always preceded by a loud crashing sound like a sonic boom. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he says he once heard a man clear his throat loudly as if to let him know that he wasn't alone in the museum. Nice. Mm hmm. Uh, so Anna Whaley, his wife, visitors have described seeing or sensing the presence of a woman in the courtroom. Um, one visitor said, I see a small figure of a woman who has a swarthy complexion. Do you know what that is? I don't know. Complexion is your skin, not the face you make. (laughs) Archie was growling at me. Um, Okay, so she's got a swarthy complexion. Oh, I was probably thinking scowl. Oh, probably. Quit scowling at me. Uh, She was wearing a long, full skirt, reaching to the floor. The skirt appears to be a calico or gingham small print. So this is a very, like in focus apparition very very much so uh she has a kind of cap on her head dark eye dark hair and eyes and she is wearing gold hoops in her pierced ears that is such a specific it's a very specific look it is (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say description but archie's back on what not to wear <laughs> um, she seems to stay in this room. Uh, this person assumes that they live there. I don't know why it goes lives in a courtroom, especially if it's supposed to be Anna Whaley. Well, remember the house was transformed into many other things over the years. That's true. That's true. So um, the, the it does go on to say that none of the Whaley's actually fit this description, but the house was rented out to numerous tenants over the years. Perhaps the mysterious woman in the courtroom was one of these. Hmm. So, um, other encounters um, inc- with, with Anna Whaley um, is seen downstairs or in the garden. And still others say they can smell the aroma of her French perfume, which apparently was Anna's signature scent. Oh. Mm-hmm. 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 Right? honi ti toi Well. I wear my French perfume all the time. <laughs> Way to call me out, Jesus. She's looking at me like,
0: "Shut uh, up." So taco grease doesn't count.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like tacos. Okay, uh, so here are some other accounts at the Whaley House. Um, one of the the San, there's a San Diego ghost hunter, and her name is Maritza. Sk- oh, I'm sorry, Maritza, if I'm gonna butcher your last name, Scandunas. But this particular group, I guess, partners with the Whaley House because they. You can book paranormal investigations through San Diego, um, the San Diego Ghost Center Group, mm. and they'll take you on tours of the Whaley House overnight. So she has said that sometimes people hear heavy footsteps, smell sweet tobacco smoke, see apparitions walk through walls, or even feel ghosts tugging on their clothes, yet she assures everyone that the Whaley House has a good energy, nothing sinister. Hmm. She's one of the few that say that. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, Now there is Victor This one is fucking Oh Archie this one is super creepy Victor Santana Who is a director of interpretive services At the Whaley house Said that his most disturbing And it is personal experience At the home happened years ago When he was leading a tour upstairs To the nursery Some period area No not period area Period era dolls (laughs) (laughs) Stop I didn't go there. You went there. Period area. <laughs> Period era dolls. Jesus Christ. <sighs> Some dolls of the era, not original to the house, uh, were on display. And as he gave the tour, one of the dolls began opening and closing her eyes. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Even creepier, he said, when he went back later to examine the doll... She actually had painted-on eyes. Whoa! Uh Yeah, I read that and was like, (laughs) good God. Creepy dolls, I'm not a fan. Uh, Now, during its restoration periods, which took place several different times throughout the home's history, workers and visitors um, began to notice strange and mysterious sounds, sights, aromas, and encounters, which I think we've mentioned before on different um, episodes that when you do any sort of restoration or reconstruction to a location known to be haunted. It tends to kick up the activity. Mm-hmm. Um, so that makes a lot of sense. Now, baby Thomas, who um, was the first in the family to pass away, I think you said at 18 months. 18 months. Yeah. Um, he apparently has always stayed close by because many people have reported that um, when they visit the home, they hear tiny footsteps, the sounds of baby crying, a baby crying, and even giggling when no one was in sight. Uh, the crying baby can often be heard upstairs. Now, my cousin, she, when she went there, when they went there with her, their family, rather, she took a photograph of one of the rooms that's actually behind glass, and it's of, of the nursery. Mm-hmm. Um, and when she developed the film, there was a baby Oh. An apparition of a baby, this child, little, little child, in the picture that wasn't there when she took the photograph. Wow. Yeah, so I texted my cousin last night and was like, hey, does, does Beth still have that picture? Because we're doing the Whaley house this week, so they're going to look for it and send it to me, and we'll put it up on all oh, our social great. media. It's wild. He's like, oh my God, I forgot all about that, and I'm like... I never ever did. Like we talk about the Whaley house, and I'm always telling people, my cousin took this picture, and holy fuck is it insane. So we'll put all that on our social media. Now, mists, lights turning on and off by themselves. Crystals in the music room's lamps swing without any prompt. And seeing again, back to the Lizzie Borden house, seeing impressions of people lying on beds or pillows is often is a common thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, some say they've seen a figure looking out the upstairs window um, long after the house has been closed up for the day. Others have seen curtains moving, even though all the windows in the home are sealed shut. The sounds of children running up and down the stairs can be heard without anyone being seen. Footsteps, cold spots, the appearance and disappearance of shadows have all been seen, felt, and heard by guests. It's a
0: lot. That's a lot.
1: It's a lot. There's a lot going on. Um... This one woman said that, um, they shot a video in the courtroom, um, this last past summer when they were there visiting. She said, first we see a moving mist in the courtroom. And when, upon reviewing the video, I went frame by frame and I kid you not, at least four faces were in the mist. Oh, wow. She said she couldn't sleep the last few nights after (laughs) she watched that, which I don't know as I would be able to either. Um... Now, in July one year, a visitor reported feeling nothing unusual until she arrived in an upstairs bedroom. She said that, quote, the moment I took the corner to go into that room, I had an enormous feeling of despair and panic. It was so terrifying that I had to leave the building. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty violent. That Yeah. Reaction. To have such a a strong reaction, I I completely agree. Um, Let's see here. Where am I at? Okay. Um, Still another uh, visitor reported, I caught the face of a woman wearing a veil or a scarf over her head. Her vision of this person was in the bedroom of Violet Whaley. Uh, Now, they do have a... a, 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 They have a house historian. (laughs) Good God. His name is Dean Glass. Um, he said that before opening the museum one morning, he recalls seeing the colorless apparition of a person he believed to be Thomas Whaley standing at the top railing, again looking down. Um, he's always he's also seen four or five other shadow people, distinct, fleeting human figures, like. Huh. Hmm. Um. So I mean, as with any place like this. Velisca, Whaley House, Lizzie Borden. Ah, what was another one? Um, what was another one that we had done? I can't remember. But the spirits ramp up the curiosity and attract, tour- attract mm-hmm. tourists, mm-hmm. helping raise money to maintain and improve the property. They're also part of the Whaley House history and should remain so as long as they aren't evil. He added that he's never gotten the feeling of being in danger or unwelcome. So keep that in mind. Uh, occasionally, alarms have gone off in the house for apparently no particular reason. They've also seen the spirits of a young Native American woman who was apparently a servant of the Whaley's. She lived in a small cubicle erected in one corner of the courtroom, which I think is horrible. Another is the ghost of a young neighbor girl named Annabelle or Carrie Washburn. The are conflicting stories on what this little girl's name mm-hmm. was, but the story is awful. So the house used to give out cookies to neighborhood children, and the story goes that in her excitement, the child ran toward the house to get a cookie because it was exciting, but in her rush, she actually ran into a clothesline, and it ruptured her trachea. It, oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, she was quickly brought inside the house, but died within minutes from the injury, so she is often seen frolicking and playing throughout the house in death. Yikes. Yeah. Archie's <laughs> face. Thanks, Carrie. Yeah. <laughs> brought it way, downtown, way down, Way down, Way downtown. So let's talk about Juan Verdugo. Did you come across his name in any of your research? I did not. Okay. So there were three documented executions that took place on the property, one being Yankee Jim. Mm-hmm. The other two were part of a Native American uprising in 1852 in retaliation to the illegal taxation of um, the Native American's cattle. Oh, I think I did read a little bit about this. Did you? Okay. So, the goal of it was, of this retaliation, was basically to kill every white man in the area. As you do. Yeah. So, these two men one was William Marshall, and the other was Juan Verdugo. So, they were both tried, convicted, and executed on the property. It took them 45 minutes to die. They weren't hooded, their necks didn't break, just a really brutal death for both of them. Uh, Thomas Whaley accompanied these men to their hangings. And he was actually a part of, he was a witness to uh, Yankee Mm Jim's, And and this is what I said, remember that. Because he was involved in the execution of William Marshall and Juan Verdugo's leader, Antonio Gara. He was involved in that particular individual's execution. This man was actually executed at his gravesite in El Campo Santo Cemetery, which isn't far from the home, by firing squad. And Thomas Whaley was a part of that firing squad. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So all three men, Yankee Jim, William Marshall, and Juan Verdugo, are buried in El Campo Santo Cemetery by Antonio Gara. Wow. Yeah. So I'm kind of. Bobbing and weaving through this story, but it it it'll it'll all come full circle. You'll you'll understand all of it. So remember, one Verdugo. But right now we're going to go back to Hans Holzer and the show The Holzer Files. So there is a veteran paranormal investigator named Dave Schrader. Um, he does work with a psychic medium named Cindy Kaza, and then his on his crew his um, recording equipment technician Shane Pittman. They have all Partnered together with Hans Holzer's daughter to create this new paranormal reality show called The Holzer Files. And they basically go back through all of the investigations that Hans Holzer Hans Holzer had done and go back to the ones that kind of stumped him the most that he couldn't figure out before he died. And the Whaley House is one of them. Oh. Yeah. So... Um, they have this show called The Holzer Files, which I love, I highly recommend, it's on the Travel Channel, it is great, it is really great. So, apparently, there was a powerful and dark presence that Holzer sensed in the home, but he never unmasked it, he never identified it, um, he was tied to a centuries-old vendetta, and that drove the reinvestigation project, because he never could figure out exactly what this was. Hmm. Um, So they go, they do their investigation and then as they found out, the Whaley house did not disappoint and it didn't, it didn't. This is another one of the YouTube videos that I was watching and got sucked in last night where I was like, fuck, it's midnight and I gotta go to bed. (laughs) I'm not finished with this episode yet. So, um, Dave Schrader is the, the investigator, the paranormal investigator. And he says that things began to happen right away. Um, so, Cindy Kaza, who is the psychic medium, after she had envisioned a pool of blood and felt other sensations, um, she actually knew nothing about the house in advance. They tend to do that with her. They didn't just take her to a place and be like, "Tell me what you see or what you feel mm-hmm. or what you whatever. Mm-hmm. So she didn't know anything about the house or the history. Um, she invited the spirits to channel their thoughts through her automatic writing tool. She immediately received an ominous warning for the for Dave, the investigator and his crew. And within minutes, Pittman, the equipment technician, his recording equipment shut down. It was... Oh, wow. It was wild, yeah. Um, they also say that behind the scenes, one of their network executives was sitting outside watching a bank of computer screens when one of the light bulbs burst over her head. Inexplicably. Wow. Yeah. Um he, the Dave Schrader, the investigator, said that it was all. It was very high intensity, and there was a. It was a profound experience for everybody. <sighs> Outside the house, and a light bulb it just explodes. It gets worse. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Um, when Dave was in, I think it was the parlor. Or a, maybe a bedroom. He was using that three D mapping camera, and he a stick figure popped up. And he was talking to it, and he asked the stick figure that materialized to raise its arm, and asked if they could see the, if they could see him. And later, upon review of the EVPs, the EVP recorder immediately caught yes, clear as a fucking bell. Wow! Can you see me? Yes. I think those little stick figures, though, like if they could make them more human, those little stick figures are scary, like. What if that's the way it looks? Oh, just this childless little stick figure. That's, <laughs> that disturbs me. So much disturbs me. I'm a very disturbed individual. Um, so then something happened to Schrader, the investigator. He said had never he had never experienced in his 13 years of active investigations. And Archie, it's wild. If I can find just a clip of it, I'll put it on our website. But it's wild. So they had... Learned about this Juan Verdugo in their history and their research of the place and talking with the, the people that run the Whaley House and things like that. So this entity or whatever Hans Holzer found in this place made physical contact with Dave Schrader in this episode. He says it made physical contact with me in a very dramatic way. I got literally knocked on my butt by someone in the Whaley House, and he did. This dude is six feet tall, 280 pounds.: Oh wow. So it's just not like, you know, he's a big boy. He's a big boy. So apparently, the fault pushed Shane, Pittman, the, re- the equipment guy, into a wall when it wow knocked, yeah, when it knocked Dave Schrader over, he fell into Shane, and who hit a wall? Um, at first. Schrader suspected a member of the film crew, but there was no one else around them, and there wasn't. You could see from the angle of the, cam- the camera, there was no one else around them or behind them where they were at. Um, it is just, they do suspect that this was Juan Verdugo that did this, because Dave was talking to him and telling him that he can't manipulate and harass the psychic Cindy the way he had been all night. He was telling him, you need to stop that. And then out of nowhere... This happened. Wow. And you see it. It's not like... It looks like he gets shoved. And he's not paying attention because he's got his back to this other room and he's facing her and they're all kind of talking and he's saying to this entity, you you cannot harass this woman the way you have been. You need to stop. And you can see him get shoved and almost lifted off the ground. Shoved. Wow. Into Shane, who then goes into the wall. It was so alarming and startling for him. He actually had to walk off camera and go outside to just kind of, it was so terrifying. Wow. It was wild, yeah. Um, He does say that he is a skeptical believer and can break things down logically. However, it really rattled him. Um, Upon examining recordings on their electronic equipment, they detected numerous sounds, footsteps, disembodied voices, and high energy levels, along with creepy laughs. There was a creepy laugh that was caught when he was like, you cannot do this. And they just, this maniacal, weird laugh they caught. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, so much for, you know, everybody saying, no, everything is wonderful and nice and good here. And may, you know what, maybe it would have been had he not told this, what is believed to be Juan Verdugo, you can't treat her that way. Maybe it would have been. Mm, maybe. Like, I don't know. Doesn't sound like everything's nice and fun in that joint, but mm. so they did say that they uncovered um, that they had uncovered another name with unique history tied to the Whaley's as well, uh, and this was Juan Verdugo, and they said it in the beginning of the episode that Cindy, the psychic, had unleashed some knowledge and they were able to track it spot on, and the Whaley House people revealed information that they had never known, that Hans Holzer had never known, and the general public at large had never known, because they had just come into possession of it themselves after Hans Holzer died. Oh. Yeah. Um, There were handwritten letters by the Whaley's to friends and family talking about the ghosts in their home, and I guess at the time nobody knew that that the Whaley's were experiencing ghostly activity as well. So, Yeah. The paranormal team uh, made no attempt to rid the house of its suspected spirits, but should they receive a request from Save Our Heritage organization, uh, which runs the museum and its tours, they, of course, said we will come back and help clear whatever is here. Doesn't sound like Soho is at a point where they feel like they need to do that or even want to because, like I said earlier... It's bringing the money. It's bringing the money. So... That is what I have for the Whaley House. Let's um I do have some fun facts though. I love fun facts. That's my favorite part of my portion. <laughs> <laughs> um the whale way- oh. <laughs> Sorry, that was my tummy. <laughs> that was Archie's stomach performing passing, its. Passing that burrito. <laughs> oh great. I was just gonna say, you know, mimicking a dying whale, but let's get gross with it. Um <laughs> So uh, the Whaley experiences, these letters surfaced approximately six years ago by the family and were given to the owners, which is San Diego County, of the house owners of the house, San Diego County. Anna Whaley wrote in a letter stating, I think the inside is worse than the outside. I think this house is doomed and possessed of spirits. This letter was written before the death of her daughter, Violet. So... Oh, wow. Almost from the jump, they were experiencing some shit. Well, and even Thomas had said that, you know, he thought it was Yankee Jim, that mm-hmm. he had seen. In 19... This is what I think is the coolest. In 1964, Mrs. Whaley's floating, drifting spirit appeared to television personality Regis Philbin. I read this one. Did you read it? Yeah, I did. Um, he says, all of a sudden, I noticed something on the wall. There was something filmy white. It looked like an apparition of some kind. I got so excited I couldn't restrain myself. I flipped on the flashlight, and nothing was there but a portrait of Anna Whaley, the long-dead mistress of the house. There, People can say what they want, but there was definitely something there. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was cool. Yeah. I also didn't know that Regis Philbin was kind of a fixture in um, San Diego in the 60s. I, my mom remembers him being on, I think it, she said local local TV news when um, she was growing up in San Diego. Mm-hmm. I had no idea about that, so. Thanks, Mommy, for the information so that I am not as ignorant, but then I'm going to get on my podcast and tell everyone how fucking ing- ignorant I actually am. <laughs> 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 and then um, a tour guide has said this, that while October and Halloween is a fun time of year to tour the Whaley House because they dress the museum up in traditional Victorian mourning, complete with a casket in the parlor. <laughs> <laughs> Our focus is more on the ghostly legends of the house. The hauntings seem to happen throughout the year, both morning and night. Sometimes these events occur when one is alone, and other times whole groups have witnessed strange goings on. Wow. Yeah, so not making me not want to go there, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. any less. Like, now I, I absolutely have to, so um, pack your bags, we're going next weekend. <laughs> um, so speaking about that, getting there. They have summer and non-summer hours. The Whaley House is, um, the non-summer hours of the Whaley House is the day after Labor Day through the day before Memorial Day, so September to end of May. Uh, They are open Monday and Tuesday from 10 to 4.30. They are closed on Wednesdays, and then they are open Thursday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 9.30 p.m., Sundays, 10 a.m. to 8.30 p.m. Uh, admission is $10 for adults, $8 for seniors, 55 and over. Active duty, military, and children ages 6 to 12 are a price as well. And I guess I cut that off my cutting and pacing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, it's free for children 5 and under, though. Hey. Hey. Um, I would imagine active duty, military, and children are probably somewhere around eight to 6 to $8. Dollars if seniors probably. are 8 yeah. Um, (laughs) they do have evening admissions, uh, children five and under are, and under are not recommended to go on these tours. Uh, they are $13 per person. Their summer hours are basically open daily, 10 AM, nine, 10 AM to 930 during the summer, Memorial day through labor day. You can, and I want to do this. You can have private after hours tours of the Whaley house after 10 o'clock at night Two-person minimum, $75 per person for one hour, $50 per person each additional hour, and the tour is limited to three hours total. You do need to make your reservations at least two weeks in advance. Uh, your tickets must be paid for at the time the reservation is made. And um, private tours, this is a bummer. They're not offered the last week of October, which I'm, um, makes sense, but also kind of a bummer. Uh, Yeah, so that is what I have on the infamous Whaley House in San Diego, California. I loved it. I was like, I don't, you know, I haven't heard a lot about it. I'm not sure how much I can get out of this. Uh, It turned out to be eight pages. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Really cool, really cool place. I'm, um, I'm, as with everything, I'm super excited to fucking go. Let's do it. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to all of my Hopper family history that nobody gave a shit about but <laughs> me and my mommy. And um, we are, History of a Haunting Podcast is very, very proud to be a part of the Pod All the Time Podcast Network. It is a wonderful network of independent podcasts just like ours. We are um, have teamed up together to um, promote and support Podcasts just like ours, these are amazing. So we would like for you to please listen to this promo for one of my favorites I've listened to to this uh, podcast. Um, I've got it on on I've subscribed to it. We have a lot in our network, um, but suburban folk is um, one that I have listened to. They did a really fascinating um, episode about um, Coca-Cola and its history. Ooh. And Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. So please listen to this wonderful promo for one of our partner podcasts, Suburban Folk. And as always... Love Heals Rescue. We will be back next week with a um, listener suggestion location. So oh, very good. Yes, Archie, tell the folks where they can find us.
0: We can be found on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Patreon, all at h o a h podcast.
1: Yes, yes, please, please, also, please. Also, h o a h podcast. Dot com. Dot com, yes. And you can link to all of our social media and our Patreon through that. Um, Please consider supporting us through a $5 monthly donation. Um, You get exclusive content, early episodes, all of that good and fun stuff. And, yeah, I think think that's going to do it for us. All right, great. This is a good one. I like it. Yeah, me too. All right, guys, we will see you next week. Thank you so much. We love you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye health, travel, finance, parenting and home improvement.
0: This is the Suburban Folk Podcast. $250 a month into my child's 529. From the month that they start kindergarten, I should be able to pay for 80% of my child's college. Because I don't trust that most people will eat their vegetables, right. so usually our kind of standard
1: is three servings of vegetables per meal. You take something, like a, a 2 by 6 and you cut it with a circular saw. That's like a superpower. Those middle school years are not as fun, but At that age, they're still willing to talk to you.
0: This is Greg with the Suburban Folk Podcast. Who says life in the suburbs is easy? There's finances, home maintenance, kids, and our health and sanity to think about. Join our weekly conversations where we talk to experts in all things that suburbanites have to deal with. Each episode is full of tips and tricks about our health, maximizing your money, travel hacks, parenting advice, and entertainment. Simply search for Suburban Folk on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get podcasts. You can also join us on our website at suburbanfolk.com. Love Heels Rescue is a nonprofit organization that believes every dog in need deserves a second chance at a new life.
1: Love Heels wants to partner with the community to help as many dogs as possible find loving homes while also helping dogs in need in the area such as providing a last litter program where the mother dog is fixed and returned or adopted, and all of the puppies are fixed, examined by a vet, microchipped, and adopted out to help with the overpopulation of dogs in the area.
0: Love Heals Rescue cannot continue to help the community without a dedicated foster network.
1: Please consider becoming a foster. You can find them on Facebook by searching Love Heals Rescue. Help Help us us be be a a part of of the solution.